Listen, I don't want to uh, prolong the morning uh, any longer. Uh, just want to say thank you to everybody uh, for this tremendous day. All of our staff, um, we've, we've been blessed. And uh, all of our leaders as we're coming back in to um, what is a new normal. I'm just grateful to God uh, that we are where we are and we're able to touch people's lives all over the world. Uh, I'm excited today for our preacher to be here. Uh, this man has been uh, a friend de facto and in person uh, since I've been in Texas. It was interesting because literally the month that he left Texas to go to the East Coast, I left the East Coast to go to Texas. Um, our tie and, and our lives were touched by so many people uh, that we had in common, including uh, Pastor C.B.T. Smith at the Golden Gate Baptist Church in Dallas and my pastor and big brother who was his big brother, Dr. E.K. Bailey, who's the reason that I'm here uh, right now. God used Dr. Bailey to bring me here. And I can remember being with Dr. Bailey. And so many times, you know, he said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going up, I'm preaching for Johnny Green. And everybody would say, you know Johnny Green? I'm like, no, no I don't know Johnny Green. They're like, man, oh, Johnny was there with E.K. And, and, and I would always hear his name. And then we got a chance to meet. And, man, you know, there's certain people you meet and as soon as you meet him, it's like you've known him all your life. Uh, Johnny is, is a brother and a friend. He pastors the Mount Nebo Baptist Church. I'm not going to read uh, his bio. You already have it, and you're already uh, able to read, so I don't have to read it for you. Uh, but Johnny is, is a tremendously gifted preacher and teacher of the Word of God, but he's a tremendous pastor. He has a tremendous heart to fight for people. And I, I tell you, I mean, we, we laugh and we can finish each other's sentences. That's how, how much we are alike. Got a chance in March to go to New York with, uh, with Ron Ward and Heavenly Mass Travel. And my wife and I, we went and caught a couple of Broadway plays. Uh, it was kind of funny. My wife said, man, how many plays have you seen in your life on Broadway? I said, none. <laughs> she said, you lived in New York. I said, you don't understand. When I lived in New York, I was broke. Said, I grew up in the Jacob Reese housing projects. We didn't go to 42nd Street to go to no plays. We had no play money, you know. We barely go to the movies, and when we went to the movies, we stayed in and watched them three or four times. Who's trying to? Don't judge me. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I'd go in and see the movie three times just to make sure I got my money's worth out of that thing. Um, but when we were there, we decided to stay over and... I called Johnny Green, uh, and it was so providential. Um, he said, man, what are you doing? I said, oh, man, I'm just up here in New York. Just wanted to holler at you, catch up with you. And he said, well, man, how long are you staying? I said, well, I'll be here, you know, over the weekend. He said, well, who are you preaching for? I said, I'm not preaching anywhere. He said, man, listen, I just wrenched my back, and I was praying and asking God. Man, I was in the hospital, Doc. I just got back, and I'm praying, asking God, what am I going to do on Sunday? You preaching at Mount Nebo on Sunday. And, but let me tell you how, how providential that was. I preached at the Mount Nebo Church in Harlem 35 years ago as an associate minister for the late W.D. Gardner. 
And that pastor was so kind to me, so encouraging of me. And so it was literally full circle for me to go and preach for my friend there at the Mount Nebo Church. And we had such a great time. Johnny's here today. He's, he's keeping a promise. I asked him to come two years ago and preach this pastoral anniversary, my 26th anniversary. And because of COVID, he was not able to come. Of course, the entire country shut down. And we promised each other as soon as things reopened that he was going to come. Now, he has a history here. I'm going to let him tell you about his history with the Good Hope Church that I was totally unaware of. He is going to come now and bring the word of God to us. Come on, would you join me? Stand on your feet, if you will, and welcome our preacher for today, my friend, my brother, Dr. Johnny Green, Jr. praise for this awesome leader and the person of DZ uh, Cofield. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Please put your hands together and praise God for him. If you'll just stand up on your feet, if you'll just rest on your feet and just, let's just celebrate him for about 35, 40 seconds with a thunderous hand clap of praise. Awesome, awesome brother tremendous friend. Amen. Great leader. Great community man. Great family man. Amen. So many things I could say about uh, DZ uh, today. Uh, time won't permit me to do that, but I'm, I'm grateful you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Uh, have you enjoyed yourself yet today? Have you enjoyed yourself today? I know I have. I told Pastor Cofield, he kept saying, I'm going to get you up in the, I said, man, don't rush my Good Hope experience. It took me 35 years to get back to Good Hope. Amen. And I'm grateful. Uh, today, I was here uh, 35 plus years ago at the homegoing celebration uh, for the late attorney, Ned Wade, who was a great attorney uh, in this town. If you knew him, give God a hand of praise for the late attorney, Ned Wade. Amen. And uh, I offered words of comfort uh, at that uh, celebration uh, for him. Uh, but I'm grateful today for my friendship with your pastor. Uh, he is one of a kind. Can you say that with me? He's one of a kind. Amen. And I love him. And God knows that he has been a tremendous blessing in my life. Our paths crossed, as he mentioned, above 30 years ago. And uh, we've been friends ever since. And then we want to acknowledge the leading lady of this house, Sister Tori. Lady Tori, will you give God a hand? For her, we celebrate this pastor for 28 years of, of service and all that he has done, the work of God here at uh, Good Hope. And Pastor, I want you to know that I've already appreciated uh, God privately for you in my period of prayer 
but I want to personally let the people know how appreciative to God I am uh, for you and for the friendship and for the opportunity to come here today uh, to join in with the saints of God here at Good Hope in celebrating you uh, for the tremendous work uh, that you've been able to accomplish by the help of God for these past 28 years. Stand with me. Stand with me for just a minute. Stand with me. Pass me not, O oh gentle Savior, Lord, Kings chapter 17. I'll be reading for your hearing verses 1 through 5. 1 Kings chapter 17 verses 1 through 5. When you have it, please say amen. Amen. 
That's 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. I'm reading from the Negro version of the Bible, the King James Version. It's still a good version. Good translation. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kirith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Kirith that is before Jordan. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be unto God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. For just a few minutes, I want to tag this text and prayerfully preach from the sermon subject, God's Elijah and Elijah's God. God's Elijah and Elijah's God. Look at a neighbor, look him squarely in the eye and tell him, neighbor, oh neighbor, the guest preacher's preaching today from the sermon subject. God's Elijah and Elijah's God. Amen. Look at somebody else and say, let's help the preacher out. As we celebrate 28 years of pastoral leadership here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church here in the heavenly city of Houston, I began to think about the ministry of D.Z. Cofield. Thought about the work that he has put in over 28 years. I thought about the changes, the transitioning of the church from one leader to the next. Thought about all that the church is faced with today and all that we are faced with as a people of color, a people of struggle, a people who have been carried through the ringer, a community uh, that is familiar with struggle, with trials and uh, situations that are beyond our ability to handle on our own. We've been in situations where, in the words of the former New York Congressman Floyd Flakes, who's a native of Houston, we've had to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, and there were times when we didn't even have on any boots. So I reflected on the ministry of D.Z. Cofield. I reflected on the work of D.Z. Cofield. I I heard the testimonials, I heard the accolades that were given uh, by the people 
on the digital presentation and how they talked about how he changed their lives, how he impacted their lives. And I thought about the prophet Elijah. When we come to the 17th chapter of the book of First Kings, this is a critical time for the people of God. The people of God, they need a spokesperson. The people of God, they need to be reminded of their relationship with God. They need to understand the historical significance of their relationship with God, their connectivity uh, to the patriarch Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They need to be reminded that they are the servants of the only true and living God. And when you think about God, when you think about who God is, you can testify that there is only one true and living God. There is only one God who can quicker than right now and sooner than at once make a way out of no way. There's only one God who can measure water in the hem of his garment. There's one, only one God who is so prolific in his geniusness that he hung the stars in their silvery socket and painted the sky without the assistance of a stepladder or a paintbrush. Caused the fish to swim merrily, the mighty deep causes the birds to chirp their melodies from treetop to tree. There's only one God who can create man and form man in his own image and in his own likeness and then take from himself and breathe into man's nostril the breath of life and man becomes a living soul. The people of God, the people of Israel needed to be reminded of their relationship with God at this time because their relationship with God is on the rocks. Their relationship with God is hanging on by a wing and a prayer because many have slipped out of fellowship with God and they have been flirting with false gods and false deities. And in the case of the context of this passage, they were worshiping Baal and Asherah. Their fidelity was no longer to God. They were serving and worshiping foreign and pagan deities. It reminds me of some of our evangelical friends now who have labeled Donald Trump as the second coming of Christ. I was in Birmingham and I was riding down the street and saw a sign with a picture of Donald Trump and the scripture attached unto us a child is born and unto us a savior is given. And I thought what, what a sad day it is for religion. What a sad day it is for the so-called Christian community. We have moved away from the only true and living God. And now we are worshiping a man. Sacrilegious. False worship. This is the context in which Elijah was called to do ministry. 
Now, when we think about Elijah, uh, there's not much as it relates to uh, a resume, a dossier, or curriculum vitae regarding Elijah's background. All we know from reading 1 Kings is that he's Elijah the Tishbite. He's from Tishbe, a territory somewhere around Manasseh. This Elijah that I reference today, Dr. Cofield, is a prophet. He's a miracle worker. He lived in the northern kingdom of Israel. He was a strong defender of the worshiper of God over that of the Canaanite deity Baal. He was such an outcast that he received the nickname the troublemaker of Israel. Can I tell you a little bit about the man named Elijah? The first thing that we learn from reading chapter 17 regarding Elijah is that Elijah was a man of courage. When I think about D.Z. Cofield, D.Z. Cofield is a man of courage. Let the church say he's a man of courage. Pastor Green, why do you say that Elijah was a man of courage? When we look at the context of the calling of Elijah, it demonstrates for us that Elijah was a man of courage. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said unto Ahab, you do know who Ahab was, don't you? Ahab was the king of Israel. Ahab was the husband of a wicked woman by the name of Jezebel who was a wicked prophetess who seduced the prophets of God and caused them to eat at her table and to worship false deities. She was really at the helm of leadership because Ahab was weak. Not only was he wicked, but he was weak. And he had a jellyfish spine. Ahab was controlled by Jezebel. Elijah was called to confront Ahab. He says, as the Lord liveth, and I want you to see the courage of Elijah. As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be neither dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And we see this courageous man we see him being called by God. So we see his courage and we see his call. After he confronts Ahab, after he delivers the message of God to Ahab, he receives word from God. It says, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, let me say, if you're going to serve God, you must be called. I heard someone say earlier in the worship, oh, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel and bring glad tithing unto all Men, you must be called to do what D.Z. Cofield does. Can I take my time and preach like I'm at home? When you do what D.Z. Cofield does at Good Hope for 28 years, you have to be called. Let the church say called. So when we look at the man, Elijah, we see his courage. We see his calling. But then you need to understand the circumstances in which he was called to do ministry. It was a time of great falling away. 
It was a time where wickedness was rampant. It was a time where people didn't want to turn to the scriptures and read about the living God. It was a time where people turned their backs on God. It was a time similar to the time in which we live right now. He was a man of courage. He was called to confront wickedness. When you read verses three to six, he had to run for his life because a hit was put out on his life. But then we see the crisis. It was a time of drought. It was a time where there was neither dew nor rain. There was no irrigation for the crop. And because there was no irrigation for the crop, the crop died. There was no irrigation for the crop. The crop died and the grocery markets couldn't get their vegetation to the markets. The grocery stores had hung on their doors, gone signs that read, gone out of business. All of the restaurants had closed down. It was a time of famine in the land because there was no irrigation. The vegetation was not irrigated and it was a time of a crisis. We need great men and women who rise to the challenge of leadership in a time of crisis. And we're in the midst of a crisis right now. You know, there are many who like to sagaciously suggest that we're living in a post-COVID society, but you cannot be living in a post-COVID society when people are still testing positive for COVID. It's a time of crisis. Business, businesses have gone out of business. It's a time of crisis. We've, we've dealt with death in an unprecedented manner. It is a time of crisis. We are in the midst of a president that can't even stay awake during a press conference. It's a time of crisis. January 6th of last year when the capital of these United States was stormed at the command of the former president, number 45. I don't even want to dignify him and call his name. And now people are turning a blind eye. This is a time of crisis. And if ever there was a time that we needed a strong leader in the pulpit, now is the time. When we look at the man, Elijah, we see his courage. He confronts Ahab. He stands up to Ahab. We see a man who understands unequivocally that he has been called by God. We see the circumstances and we see the crisis. And normally our best ministry is done in a time of crisis. Big Mama used to say, if I never had any problems, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. If I never had any problems, I wouldn't know what faith in God can do. When there is a time of crisis, that's when our faith kicks in. And we see the faith of Elijah kick in during a critical time of crisis. He's on the run for his life. He's at the brook Kirith. He's totally dependent upon God 
for his sustainability and his survivability. He's there. He has to depend on the ravens to bring him his meal. You heard of Meals on Wheels. He was a recipient of the first Meals on Wings program. He was at a place that God had led him to. D.Z. Cofield is here because God led him to this place. I heard him mention that E.K. Bailey had something to do with his coming here, but it was God who was behind E.K. Bailey. It was the providential hand of God that led him to Good Hope Church. It was the providential hand of God that led the leadership and the membership to extend the call of God to this great man of God over 20. And so he's here because he's called by God. He's a man of courage. He's called by God. He's had to pastor under some unusual circumstances. And there have been times in his life and in the life of every minister who's called by God when you're going to face a crisis moment. But I've come to tell you today that above the brow of every crisis are written the words, and this too shall pass away. So we see in this text, as we look at God's Elijah we see the man, we see his courage, we see his calling, we see the circumstances, we see the crisis. But then I want you to look at the ministry of Elijah. And the first thing that we note about the ministry of Elijah is that it was a prophetic ministry. It was, it was a prophetic ministry because he understood that he was called to speak on behalf of God and every true prophet of God must understand that he or she is on assignment from God. And you know what? God, God, God chose Elijah. God, God's Elijah, I told you, he comes out of obscurity. Nobody really knew a lot about Elijah. There's, there's not much on his resume, but God chose him. And God uses who he chooses. We are here today celebrating 28 years because God chose D.Z. Cofield to be a prophetic voice. His ministry was prophetic. His ministry was not only prophetic, but his ministry was confrontational. You know, I learned early on in my pastorate that you're not going to be able to please everybody. You're not going to be able to please everybody in the church. You're not going to be able to please everybody out of the church. And I've come to know that many preachers, preachers chooses, choose to be priestly over being prophetic. Priestly is when we come to the sanctuary and we serve the sacraments. Priestly is when we come every Sunday and we deliver a homily. Priestly is when we teach Sunday school. Priestly is when we teach Bible study. Priestly is when we preside over funerals. Priestly is when we pray. But there comes a time when the priestly pastor has to transition into the prophetic voice that God has called him to be. Being prophetic means he's going to sometimes be 
confrontational. And don't you sit up in church today and act like you've been in sync with every decision or every vision that this pastor has cast. There was a time when some of you were like that old song which says, I shall not be moved. We don't always get 100% participation when we cast a vision. And I know that over 28 years, there have been some bumps in the road. I, I know that after 28 years, D.Z. Cofield has had to endure some bruises. I know that after 28 years of speaking truth to power, I know there have been times when he's gone home at night and he's laid down on his pillow and cried tears of pain and sorrow over people who did not want to get in line with the will and the mission of God. But in spite of the dissidents and in spite of those who disagree with us and in spite of those who refuse to accept the vision that God has given us, we have to be courageous. We have to be prophetic. We have to be confrontational. We have to be, speak truth to power. But not only was Elijah prophetic and not only was his ministry confrontational, but his ministry was transformational. Can you say transformational? When we examine the ministry of Good Hope, when we think about the work of D.Z. Cofield over the past 28 years, we can all testify that his ministry has been transformational. He's transformed lives. His ministry has been impactful. You heard the young man who is the principal of one of the charter schools here talk about the impact that D.Z. Cofield had on his life. You heard the different people testify of how he impacted their life. That's transformational ministry. A lot of the ministries that we encounter today, and I've had the privilege of preaching across the length and the breadth of this country but most of the ministries that I have the privilege of preaching in are ministries that are only transactional. Ministry has to be more than transactional. Ministry has to be transformational. After all, we have been transformed. If any man or woman be in Christ, he or she is a brand new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become brand new. I looked at my hands, and they looked new. I looked at my feet, and they did too. He changed my heart. He changed my walk. Ministry is about transformation. And every true man or woman of God will not only have a prophetic ministry, they will not only have a confrontational ministry like the ministry of Elijah that will put him on the collision course with Ahab and Jezebel, but it will be transformational. The reason why you're coming to Good Hope Sunday in and Sunday out is because you're receiving a transformational word from the Lord through this man's servant. When we think about God's Elijah, we think about the man. He's a man of courage. We think about his calling. He's called by God. We think about the circumstance. He's called to do ministry in tough times. We think about the crisis. There's a famine. And right now, we're caught up in the crisis of COVID-19. But that didn't stop D.Z. Cofield. 
that didn't stop him from preparing his sermons. That didn't stop him from preparing his Bible study lessons. That didn't stop him from praying for the sick. That didn't stop him from going to offer comfort to those who are bereaved. That didn't stop him from reaching out and helping the kid that became valedictorian who was homeless. That didn't stop him from setting up an aggressive food program that feed thousands of people. That didn't stop him from trying to close the digital divide with ministries that take place in good hope. He's a man of courage. He's a man who's called. He's a man who's passed through some arduous circumstances. He's a man who's passed through crisis. He's prophetic. He understands that he's called by God. He's confrontational. He speaks truth to power. He's transformational. He makes a difference. But then we need to see in this same chapter, we need to see the miracles. The first miracle is at the brook Kirith. God calls Elijah. And he leads Elijah down to the brook called Kirith. And God promises, somebody shout, God promises. And aren't you glad this morning that God is a promise keeper? Can I, can I see the hands of those of you in the sanctuary? You found out unequivocally that God is a promise keeper. Are you standing on the premises or are you standing on the promises? Our God is a promise keeper. He called Elijah. He told him to go down to the brook called Kirith. And he told him that he would sustain him there. And God sent the ravens morning and evening with his meals on their wingtips. He allowed him to drink fresh spring water from the Kirit. But the text reminds us that on a particular day, the brook dries up. And how many of you know that in life, brooks will dry up? Can I get a witness in good hope this morning that brooks will dry up? What do you mean, Pastor? Brooks will dry up. You can be working on a job 25 years and walk in one day and get your pink slip. Brooks will dry up. You can be living in a little house on the prairie and in one day's time, your little house on the prairie can be turned into a nightmare on Am Street. Somebody shout, Brooks will dry up. The child that you put every investment in, the child that you raised in the fear and the admonition of the Lord turned out sour. Brooks will grow dry. Money will get funny. Change will get strength. I need 25 people to shout with me. Brooks will dry up. But how many of you know that when Brooks dry up, God is not through? Somebody shout, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. I, I know I'm going through something. I know I'm in a crisis mode. I know that all that I have has run out, but the God I serve still supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory. How many of you know when brooks dry up, God has another plan? Don't you give up because one plan terminated. Don't you, don't you give up because one place God leads you ended up running into a roadblock. Don't, don't you give up because somebody shut a door in your face. Don't you give up because you got laid off from your job. Don't you give up because your marriage went south. Don't you give up because your life was turned topsy-turvy. Somebody shout, God is not through. 
God's got another miracle. The same God, Cofield, who worked a miracle down at the brook is the same God who's going to meet him at the widow of Zarephath's estate. When the brook dried up, when the ravens stopped showing up, God said, I want you to go to Zarephath. I want you to go into the region of Zidon. If you think things are bad here at Kiri, you wait till you get to Zarephath. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. I need, I need 50 people to shout. Sometimes God doesn't make sense. I feel my help now. Some, some, sometimes, sometimes God, Tory, doesn't make sense. When God tells us to do things, it doesn't make sense. But how many of you know God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts are not our thoughts? As high as the heavens are the earth, so are his ways, our ways, and his thoughts. Are, somebody shout, God doesn't think like me. And I'm glad that God doesn't think like me because I think mundane. I think on a worldly level, but God looks at life from the vantage point of eternity. I look at life from a ground level perspective, but God looks at life from the vantage point of eternity. And God can see blocks and blocks up ahead of time. And that's why you can trust God. And so when the brook dried up and when the ravens stopped short, God said, go to Zarephath. And he goes to Zarephath, and as soon as he enters the gate, he sees a woman walking around. She's collecting sticks with her son. She wants to cook her last meal. And how many of you know that little becomes much when you place it in the master's hand? I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but you had moments in your life when you felt like you were at your last. You felt like throwing in the towel of surrender and waving the flag of surrender. And that's when God gave you your greatest breakthrough. He goes to Zarephath. He runs into this widow who's looking for sticks to make a fire. And he calls out to her. And he says, I want you to make me a cake. And she says, man, you must not be from around here. You haven't read the latest clippings in the Zidon newspaper. You haven't read the last story that was printed before the paper company went out of business. All of the chain grocery stores have closed their doors. All of the bodegas, if you live in New York, have gone out of business. All of the convenience stores have pulled their windows shut said, I only have a little. I have a little oil in my can. And I have a little flour in my jar. But God can work wonders with little. Can I get a witness up in here? Can you look at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, don't give up on God because God can work wonders with a little. Don't Listen, I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. When I left Dallas, 33 years ago, I left with $126 and two of my mother's credit cards. But look at me now. I don't look like what I've been through. God can work miracles with a little. Elijah said, no, you're not going to die. He said, but go make me a cake first. And the woman was obedient to the command of the prophet. She went in and she made Elijah cake. You know the rest of the story, don't you? Every morning she walked up and went in her kitchen. God had increased the level of oil in her can. And God had replenished her flour jar. Somebody shout, the Lord will make a way somehow. Yes, he will. We looked at the dry brook. We seen the depleted meal barrel and depleted 
all can. But then there's a third story here. There's a story about a dead boy. The same woman who extended a hand of welcome. The same hospitable woman who opened the doors of her home and made her kitchen the restaurant where the prophet would eat daily. Her son became ill and she wanted to point fingers at the prophet for bringing evil upon her house. But the prophet was not only prophetic, the prophet was not only confrontational, the prophet was not only transformational, the prophet was prayerful. Sometimes you just have to pray. Just a little talk with Jesus. Where my saints at? Tell him all about our trouble. He will hear our faintless cry. And he'll answer by and by. Where my, where my prayer warriors at? Feel a little prayer. We'll turn it. Know a little fire is burning. Can I get 10 people to say just a little talk with Jesus will make everything all right. Is there anybody here you know just a little talk with the Lord will turn things around if you trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path I need 10 people to get up on your feet and look at somebody and tell them neighbor God will make a way somehow look at somebody and tell them neighbor that problem that I had I just couldn't seem to solve I turned it over to Jesus you know what he did don't you he worked it out won't God work it out anybody here you've ever had some trials trial the dark on every hand we cannot understand all the way that God will lead us to that blessed promised land but in that land have I got a witness a perfect day when the mist have rolled away we'll understand it better by and by if you're going through right now take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there if you trust and never doubt he will anybody here you know he will work it out I told you about the dry brook 
I told you about the depleted oil can. I told you about the depleted flower jar. I told you about a dead boy. Have I got a witness? We've looked at Elijah, the man. We've looked at Elijah, the ministry of it, the messenger of God. But can I tell you about Elijah's God? Can I tell you? I said, can I tell you about Elijah's God? Somebody shout. I know something about Elijah's God. Elijah took it to God in prayer. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been faced with. But Elijah's God, Elijah's God, he's a God of provision. But not only is he a God of provision, somebody shout with me. He's a God of power. He can turn, he can turn that thing around, that problem that I had. I just couldn't seem to solve. I turned it over to Jesus and he worked it out. Elijah said, give me your boy. He took the dead boy, marched upstairs to the loft where he was staying, laid the boy down on his own bed, stretched over the boy's body. I don't know exactly what he said, but in my sanctified imagination, he must have said, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of the 12 tribes of Israel, the God of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. He must have said, the God of my grandmother, if you've ever heard me, I need you to hear me now. Have I got a witness? I need you to put life back in the boy. How many of you know the God of power is the God who will put life back in you? I'm through, church. I'm just celebrating. I was sinking deep in sin, far from a peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise. No more can I get 10 people to shout with me, but, but, uh, but, but the master of the sea, hey, 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 won't he hear you when you call, won't he catch you before you fall, somebody shout, he heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me. Now say, am I the 
that same God put life back in the bar. He brought him downstairs, presented him to his mother. Have I got a witness? The mother said, now I know that you are a man of God. Now I know that God is real. Anybody here? Good day, good hope. May the Lord bless you real, real good. Do you know God is real? There are some things I may not know. There are some places I cannot go. But one thing, one thing I know. One thing D.C. knows. One thing Good Hope knows. One thing the leadership of the church knows. One thing Deacon Tibbs knows. God, God is real. Say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. Shout right here. Grab somebody by the hand. Look them in the eye and tell them, neighbor, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul, my soul, my, my, my soul shout hallelujah. Yeah. I Y'all got this shoes. Y'all got this shoes. But look at somebody and tell them you don't know like I know what the law has done for me. He gave me the victory. Somebody shout victory. 